0: Listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts, Derek Harrison
1: and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.
2: So here's the situation I'm currently in between internet providers, and as I was editing this, the most recent episode of the podcast, I had to go to a nearby cafe to download. Travis's little outro thing at the end. And as once I step out of my apartment in Toronto, I see our guest, Will Witwam, the principal songwriter for the Wilderness of Manitoba, on his way to buy some cat food. You see, Will and I live in the same neighborhood in Toronto, but we only met in my hometown of Harrow. It's a little farm town of about um, 5,000 people or so, south of Windsor. And the Wilderness of Manitoba played a show at the Harrow Legion. I found, about, found out about this through my dad, and I was like, oh, my God, how, why are the Wilderness of Manitoba playing in Harrow? Turns out the show was put on by a relative of mine, Dennis Swartz, who became a fan of the band and used to see them. He's a big supporter of live music in Windsor, and he just got to a point where he was sick of having to drive to Windsor every time to see a gig, so he's like, fuck, I'll put one of my own on. But my father told me about this, and I was amazed that this was happening. I was like, first thing I said, I think, was, do they have an opening act? And about an hour later I was booked as the opening act. So this is how I met Will and Raven Shields and the rest of his band. At this amazing, you know, Herald Legion playing, you know, folk music in the Herald Legion. Couldn't really get much more Canadian unless I was drinking Labat Fifty. But Will and I both share a our careers in craft beer is another thing we have in common. So like seems to be the case with all our guests, there's a myriad of coincidences that connected us that we were not aware of. And I wasn't planning to have him on the show uh, until that night when I met him and I asked him, hey, what are you doing, you know, tomorrow morning? We can record a podcast. So Travis came down to Harrow from Windsor and we banged this one out in this old little room. It's actually the oldest room in my parents' house. Most of the house has been renovated, but this one room remains you know, poorly insulated with these really old walls and this fan on the ceiling that doesn't even work. But the thing about the walls is it's, it's, a, it's like a drywall, it's like wooden walls that have, um, they're uneven. So you don't get, they're very like anti-reflective. So when I was a kid, I used to, when I was getting into home recording, I used to record in that room all the time because it sounded so warm and so clean. It had this studio, this great studio sound. So I don't know for, for those of you in case anybody's been wondering, all these little interstitial musics in these episodes almost always are something owned by either Travis or I like something we've created because that way we don't have to pay the rights for it. But so this so now I'm gonna the first inter, the first thing you're gonna hear before we get to our interview is a little sample of something I recorded in this very same room many years before. So first, first of all, how was that show last night?
3: It was the <laughs> ideal show for a Friday night in Harrow. In Harrow, just wild, yeah.
2: But there is no, there's no like precedent for a show on Friday night in Harrow. I think
3: you set. I think you <laughs> sa- I think you guys set the precedent last night for for us for sure. That's, yeah, that, yeah, it was a great time.
2: I'm just curious about like how you came when you heard about this gig. What did you think it was going to be like?
3: Well, I knew there would be sort of a like a, a small town vibe. It's always a uh, really fun to be able to play shows like that i I played in this uh sort of this uh community space in evening i played with elliot brood i think it was two years ago and it was like we got there and it was just this large empty wooden space and at nine o'clock all of these cars arrived and the place was rammed and (laughs) and last night was similar to that it was sort of like i mean we got here kind of late and then (laughs) and then we saw this sort of this this throwback kind of almost to the uh those uh 60s folk clubs that you, mm-hmm. you still see and, and yeah you know, with the like tables calgary. and the yeah. four seats yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah calgary still has that kind of almost like a picnic uh table set up you know yeah. everyone yeah. Kinda sits uh sideways um so it almost had that but with you know more of a cabaret seating but that kind of uh throwback it was, it was
2: really nice yeah. yeah i was excited like when i went in there um and they were bringing in the tables and i was kind of like what, nah, what kind of people to be standing right yeah. but <laughs> then when they finished all the, the setup for all the tables and everything i was like Oh, this is like an old folk club. Yeah, this is, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because you know they draped that stuff on the back wall. Yeah, it's covering up like a picture of the Queen and stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't leave it. We can't leave momentarily. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. just. Yeah. Let's just get that stuff out of the way. So I was talking to a friend of
0: mine last night, and I told him that that you guys were playing out in Harrow, and he's like, "What? I had no idea the show was happening. Like, what the hell? I love that band. I really want to go see them." And it was weird because I didn't know either until Derek told me what yesterday the day before so I was like wait who are you opening for anyway like mm-hmm. who's this band that's playing in Haro? And it's like oh the Wilderness this manitoba and i was like what
3: it's incredible like that's we so posted hot. it i mean we had this. yeah so for
0: sure yeah it just for some reason it didn't make it into the windsor yeah it's yeah. W- into that sort of mindset i mean you might have it, it sold out anyway so i guess that that's good but mm. uh maybe it's good that that windsor didn't really hear about it but <laughs> it but, sold uh, out quickly too yeah yeah so how did you you come to do a show in Harrow how'd that happen
3: well Dennis and Leanne who who, like hosted the show they uh they'd been coming to see us for a while we'd come to Windsor and and Mm -hmm. see them and then we you know they'd say hey we're coming to Sarnia the next night to see you guys play so they just like started they honestly they just started to become uh our friends it was like at first it was like oh these people are fans of the music but then it was like we were just all hanging out Mm -hmm. after the show Mm -hmm. and it just one thing led to another and we had this one show at Fog Mound, which is a really nice you know nice little mm-hmm. venue in, in uh, Windsor we talk about and, fog on every, uh, every episode. episode yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think <laughs> I think it was a Sunday night and I think there was about 25 people there and Dennis just had this idea he said hey, I, I could bring like, you know, twice this amount or three times this amount. You know, yeah. it's very expressive yeah. and animated. And he said he could he could triple that. And, uh, and if you guys would come to Hero, we, we had Fred Eaglesmith a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, yeah, we love spaces like that. This band started out playing in backyards and, mm-hmm. and uh, house, house concerts and things like that. So it was just one thing led to another. And, and then he wrote our our agent. And then that's they set up the date. And that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. We just said yes. That's cool. Because it seemed like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah, cool.
2: and it went awesome. Like, yeah, I was, was excited that it was like it totally worked. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it
3: was funny because you were playing, and then we were, and then I was, I was backstage having a beer at one point, and then. Uh, I, I just heard like the ruckus <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, was like, the clown. it was like they didn't want you to stop you know and like and then and then uh and then dennis came up and he was talking and and that's uh, marshall was like i feel like i'm going out to a wrestling match like i feel like, like they're, they're so like you know <laughs> the energy, r- of the energy too, on stage yeah. Especially. yeah the place is vibrating so
0: that's really cool i think the, the difference too probably between that and like a normal bar and a bigger city is that people are there to see you and it, it's more of uh an experience of people are listening, yeah, probably more so than you than you're used to if you're playing bars in Toronto or yeah, it changes else. the
3: headspace too. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I host a lot of house shows at my place actually, and and uh, it's it's always just been no one can kind of believe it that what this is Toronto and, and no one's talking, but the you really change you, it really alters the sort of headspace of everybody collectively when you have a a, a space like last mm-hmm. night or, you know, I, I almost want to say that house show. Vibe mm. is what, what last night had yeah. in, a, in, a, in a legion, you know, in a community center. <laughs> exactly, And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. You create that space and then it's so much easier to perform mm-hmm.
2: in that space. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing these house shows? Uh,
3: I've been hosting them since around 2008, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That's and, so uh, you
2: you you beat you're like the hipster of house shows.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny. I did it before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That'd be
3: that'd be really. We'll do a whole separate podcast on uh, on how cool that is. Um, no, but uh, it, we we had some sort of and uh, un, un, I'd say. Uh, Un- welcoming neighbors about it because they were semi-detached in the house. Okay, they they are semi-detached to us. And when we first moved in, I moved in with three other guys. We had a band at the time, and so a lot of it was loud. And we used to do this thing called Not by Northeast, which like, <laughs> Not by Northeast was this thing where yeah. like a lot of our friends were in bands, and like no one was getting into. No North one, in one was Northeast. getting. Yeah. 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 yeah, Now everyone gets into North by Northeast. <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, uh, don't knock North by Northeast. Uh, hashtag North. <laughs> but um, yeah. but we black-lessed did this. I think. We, we had so many people uh like come play this it was like seven bands played one night and we agreed we, we were like okay that was too much like we you know we sort of <laughs> exactly. over, it, yeah and so at that point it was sort of like we need to hang back on this and then um flash forward we we released our first album there the uh, wilderness of in Manitoba put out an EP called uh, hymns of love and spirits mm-hmm. in the summer of 2009 That's and nice. we decided to just release it in the backyard so we're having people come over and we had You know, we had some like beer that people could grab and it was pay what you can. It's always been pay what you can and anyone's welcome. It was sort of like people, you know, people hear about it through their friends or they they come up, even like neighbors, other cool neighbors come over. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But this guy came up to me and he said, Hey, can I pay cover? And I said, well, no, we don't charge coverage, pay what you can. And then he went up to my other husband at the time and said, can I buy a beer? And he said, well, no, we're, we're giving out beer. You can just, if you want to donate money to the hat, it's all pay what you can. And then he said, do you live here? And I said, yeah. And he said, showed me a badge. And he said, I'm a, Tro- a city of Toronto licensing officer. Can I talk to you up front? And oh. so, and so we went up oh, front and he no. said, so I, I, I had to come and suss out the place because mm-hmm. like, you know, there's been phone calls about it, obviously from yeah. said mm-hmm. neighbors yeah. and he's, you know, his partner's there with a the flashlight. It was very official. And, um, he was like, I can see that you guys aren't doing anything here. It was like totally in the covert operation, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to sell you beer and I'm not going to charge you cover basically. But he was trying to like say that, Oh, one, you know, one spark back there. Th- if there's any candles, like that can be an issue. And he's giving me all these sort of like worst case scenarios yeah. of what could happen. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is like, You know, it's a semi-private event. You know, you're Mm -hmm. welcome to stay. He's like, but you're doing a band's release here. And it's like, that's our band, you know. But yeah, it it was just like, he was so, uh, he was just... He wanted
2: you to be doing something wrong. It was
3: like tapping me on the wrist, you know, like he was like tapping me on the wrist. (laughs) And, and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, the city of Toronto is super protective over over businesses. You're not mm-hmm. running a booze can, are you? And taking okay. you away. But yeah. it, it was kind of funny because after he left, we sort of thought we started this out as like a bunch of people sitting around almost in like a circle, like jamming, and then now we have the city of Toronto coming after us. I think it's right. like <laughs> sign of success. And, and they yeah. put us on the and then this <laughs> after that we were thinking okay, like go low key, go underground, don't don't list the shows or anything because at the time my space was still happening. Oh, yeah. And so people <laughs> were putting shows in there like we had we had people kind of listing it and then And we were hosting this band from the States. They're really great. They're called uh, the Daredevil Christopher Wright. They're from Eau Claire. Mm -hmm. And they were coming up, and we were going to host them. And Now Magazine published that we were doing this th- yeah. that it was at our place and this is <laughs> after the licensing officer so i'm thinking okay this shouldn't You're be you know and then this, so some one of these blogs or blog to you said like the top 10 venues you don't know about and, it and was that like, was one of them yeah oh, us man. and like Rolly's garage at the time which was on Ossington. it's i think it's gone back to its auto automotive business yeah. but mm-hmm. um that was a space but now now they're kind of like i shouldn't even be talking about it i don't do shows anymore but I, <laughs> you know I, now For they're sure. just like they're they're sort of like there's they're, they're semi private and they're, they're house parties really. Yeah at the end yeah, of the day, you know right. there's mm-hmm. there's no uh, And
2: is this the same apartment you've been in the whole time? I've just up the, the road? House,
3: me? Yeah, the long exactly. But the, the uh, I've lived in this house longer than any house in my entire life. Yeah. Since two thousand seven. The worst move. move.
2: Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And now with so most of your time in Toronto has been in that Yeah, like, I, I guess I house. moved to
3: Toronto in two thousand four. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, from Hamilton. So <laughs> Were
2: you making music before you came to Toronto? Yeah, I was Song I was writing?
3: recording a lot in Hamilton. I, I did my first recording with mike berthelmer in uh hamilton he had run, ran the space called chatham gardens and he's all analog so oh, you, know, nice. you you punch in like you really punch in yeah. you know <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the clock. yeah but <clears throat> I was yeah I was kind of developing it there developing it there, and then came to toronto and we were kind of doing some different things until we got this band started but yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah hmm. so. Uh, so you mentioned the ep love of or hymns of, of... Love and spirits yeah. Yeah, yeah i was just listening to that on the way up here and it's a. Uh, I listened to a few of your other albums before, and uh, that one seems quite a bit different than everything else you've done.
3: Yeah, we did everything in the basement through SM fifty seven. Like mm. the, we, we actually had like radio hiss from that mic in certain oh. parts, and we didn't even like we just didn't even know. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't know what we were doing, because so. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of the, the reason. Vibe. Well, it's so, yeah, it fit the vibe. It's the reason mm. it sounds like it does, and it's, it's very it's very
0: rootsy, very folky. Almost yeah, like it's, it's very it's yeah. a folk album yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I like that
2: one a lot. It's really good. I know uh, that's the one with Orno Park on it. No, oh, no, that's no, that's, the, next that's one. the
0: that's the next one. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also I, a
3: folk record. I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah. pretty it's pretty folky too. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah so like, I guess we already talked about it before before we started recording, but uh I grew up in a place called Newcastle, or at least I partially grew up in a place called Newcastle, and uh I used to ride my bike to one of the neighboring towns, Orno, yeah. all the time, every weekend and go to Orno Park and smoke weed and play baseball and mm. these sorts of things. All and, of the uh, park activities. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so you know, I'd see I saw that the the first track on that album and it's like oh it's called Orno Park like that's crazy like I yeah. know I've been I spent a lot of my childhood yep. in that park which is really cool cuz nobody knows what the hell Orno is you know Yeah I think it's <laughs> it's
3: a neat name you know, yeah, like, yeah yeah
2: Yeah yeah it's cool though So that yeah. record was what year?
3: That came out in Canada in 2010 but it, it then it, we put that out in the US that's the only album oh, that yeah. went into America went out in America in 2011 Um so
2: yeah 2010 we'll say okay Mm yeah and then uh you were saying last night to me that at one point you quit you quit your job i did a full-time musician
3: 2009 i uh i had a bank job and i did (laughs) i i didn't even i was saying to you last night i Mm -hmm. think i had my foot out the door then i had my leg out the door and then i had my crotch out the door i (laughs) I wanted to leave so long with it's it's set up very it's psychologically sort of uh inhibiting it's like oh but here's here's the bonus and like mm, here's right. yeah. Yeah, all these all these yeah and you know that it's all been set up for you before it's 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 1984 in there all the time <laughs> yeah and um well it's just interesting <laughs> because like yeah the bank's just a very weird place i grew up around it my dad was he's re- he, he's retired now but like i moved around canada due to his sort of like wherever we'd go like wherever mm-hmm. he was in going. the he was in the he was in the banking industry, industry well. and but he's totally old school about it I I didn't get sort of a I feel like there's more of a romance there you know now it's yeah. just like now it's completely it's very corporate very corporate and I'm not a very corporate person surprisingly <laughs> but um it's it's funny I I, I was there for part time for two years and then full time for three years and I worked in web fraud and uh, financial planning over that mm. time. <laughs> So anyone can do it is what I'm telling you guys, kids, if you want a job at the bank, you can totally do it, but don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but I left in 2009. I was actually working in uh, freelancing in film at the time doing sound design and, and composing. And I had this, I'd gone to Serbia to work in this documentary and I'd done one in Canada with the NFB and TVO, a, a calling card, uh, it was called the calling card program. And then I, uh, I found this really awesome thing I wanted to apply to called Sinatrain, and it, you take the Trans-Siberian in uh, certain parts of the former USSR, and this mm-hmm. particular route went from Kyrgyzstan through Kazakhstan oh. up to Moscow, and I needed oh. a leave of absence in order, I got accepted to do this, mm-hmm. and uh, they so they gave, me, they gave me, I used my full vacation, I think, which was like three mm-hmm. weeks at the time, and a, and a full month and a half, so they gave me like a full two months off. And I went and did this, and I sort of killed the travel bug because it was a wild trip, like a lot of crazy things happened. But then when I came back, um, it was sort of like they said, oh, yeah, well, you have to sign this thing before you leave saying – if we fill your position you'll have to like wait it out basically like yeah, until there's until you know, another place for you and so when i got back there like oh we've actually had to hire two people and i was thinking well that makes you me know. feel better yeah because you had to hire two no and then um, <laughs> and then they said he said what how do you feel about us giving you a year leave and then in that time you can also get internal postings sent to you and i thought that's such an easy way to quit because it's not like <laughs> it's not like you're quitting you know? it's yeah, not this big
0: it's like you're on a one break move. exactly it's yeah. like not this major like
3: you know impactful decision it can be like well, i can right. quit slowly uh, you <laughs> you know, killing me softly. Yeah. But, um, so that's what I did. And I, I took a year leave and, and I mean, and never I never went back, never went back. There was just a lot of the opportunities came up and I, I just kept saying yes. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how I, I think that's pretty much, that's pretty much the story. And then uh, for years, for years, I've just been kind of in and out of different work. And, yeah, and, yeah. and obviously when you, you choose to do music, you have to do a lot of other things as well, mm-hmm. um, to support it. But music's always sort of been the the main work mm-hmm. and uh and now t- until recently until yeah, recently yeah. until recently a year ago I, I got into the beer business and beer business working, same as me exactly <laughs> and craft beer I'm at Kensington Brewing Company and it's it's super complementary to I believe yeah. to musicians to to what mm-hmm. we do and yeah. it's a lot of uh, it's a super extremely autonomous small job. team too small like team really yeah small five of us and I think yeah.
2: twenty five of you for Great Lakes it's it's like twenty five thirty yeah something like that. so
3: super small and uh totally awesome because no one can drop the ball yeah if you're at the mm-hmm. bank it's like anyone can drop the ball and it doesn't really like, there's so much red and yellow caution tape everywhere it's like <laughs> and, and we were saying even when we were talking last night it's like you work at a small company we know you're not going to drop the ball like you're always trusted because they just like it's black and white the work is mm. dinner yeah, it, it's whereas dinner, like at the it, bank like, it's it. like you did really great last week but this week we don't trust you not like personally <laughs> but just the bank in general like you know, that's that, yeah, that, 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 like, our business model. that's our that's our business model uh, yeah. ant- anti-trust super mm-hmm. corporate that's but right. yeah i love i completely love the beer business and it's it's super complimentary to uh the music business. Yeah, it's I never great. thought I'd be driving as much as I do, or lifting <laughs> well, as much. Well, because you're as doing do. deliveries it's... now too. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it all. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's,
2: yeah, it's cool. funny that we have the same. It's like the same lifestyle. We're it's just the same doing the yeah. combo, craft beer and music combo, and it's and it works. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you work with Ren. Yeah. Who's one of the five women who run the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. That's right. And my roommate is one of the five. So weird. <laughs> like their best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And we only just met now in Harrow. And amazing. we only just met now. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah.
3: It seems
0: like every guest that we have, there's
2: some weird, and it's weird always connection
0: comes, like that. Comes, yeah, there's always and something. The wilderness yeah. of Manitoba's drummer uh, is was the drummer for Ron Leary for a while. And, and yesterday uh,
2: we recorded an episode of Tara Watts, and he played. He, he was he played on Tara yeah. Watts. So many links here. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but he's not really a drummer though.
3: Oh, our drummer. Um, well, yeah. it's funny because Raven and I are sort of the mainstay of this band, and we have sort of a a small rotating cast of rhythm section
2: uh-huh. because everyone's working in. And, and yeah. um, so so th- yeah. This is like your fir- fourth full
3: length. This, we just put out our, yeah, this is our the fourth. fourth full and length, it's, yeah. but,
2: and it's the first one with, um, the co-lead vocal thing you're doing now. Right? Yeah. It's the yeah, first yeah. one that has like less group
3: harmonies and more of a double, lead, double lead. Yeah. yeah. Which uh-huh. I think is sort of the focus of the band. Now it's always going to be, a, I think that I said to Raven, like we can do anything we want with the music as long as harmonies are, laying at the forefront. I think that's Mm -hmm. the one thing we can hold on to, but everything Mm -hmm. else can kind of alter and, you know, evolve. Hopefully. So how
2: did you, what made you decide to bring in other voices to, to do the material?
3: Uh, well, I, I can't do these songs by myself. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a songwriter as you are. And and, and so I have songs that are are my own, but I mean, yeah, these songs are mine in a way, but I, I often hear, uh, I don't know why, but I hear a lot of things in a female voice and Mm -hmm. either it's a lead or it's a, a very, focused kind of double lead and i i I don't have obviously i don't have a very female voice so i I yearn (laughs) for that and some of the music that i'm (laughs) writing that's (laughs) fair i'll take that as a compliment um so that's kind of where i I don't know i think it probably comes from growing up and listening to my mom she was a piano player and she sang all the time and sang Mm -hmm. to us a lot growing up and I think that's probably what's I, I hear a lot of things in the female voice. I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I think that kind of stuff just bleeds over even if you don't want it to, into what yeah, you're Yeah, doing. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like that, in some that, ways.
2: Yeah. It's like this guy came up to me last night and he's like, Have you ever played any uh James Taylor? You <laughs> Sound like James Taylor. And uh, and I'm like, you know what? When I was, like, five, my dad put me to sleep to James, Best of James Taylor. It's yeah. the first record I ever really listened to. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I can't help but sound like it. That's, like, the, It's so deep in
3: there. <laughs> that's the sensibility time, you know? Like, yeah. Like, that's, yeah. when you're that young, you really absorb it. I mm-hmm. from, Like, for instance, I was living in North Vancouver at that time, and whenever I go back, it's so, like, the ocean and everything, and the, just the forestry there it's so present but i was so young like i would i didn't even know what life was but i've absorbed right. this in the way that you know you i may have absorbed Johnny mitchell and you've absorbed uh mm-hmm. james taylor because we're at that age for me it's hey, john exactly. for
0: me it's john denver unfortunately oh, or I, fortunately I, hey, ever, I got like. it i got it to him too <laughs> i think yeah. garfunkel as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of john denver yeah. though yeah yeah. Yeah. No, so, yeah i've been told many times since then that i sound like a little bit like john denver when i'm singing which i don't yeah. know if You'd i should like, take Whoa. that as a compliment I think or that's not. a compliment have
3: you heard a please daddy don't get drunk this christmas yeah yeah he does have like like it, it's kind what of like it's kind
0: of like Lyle Lovett where you know like probably 60% of his catalog I don't have a lot of interest in but then there's there's some yeah, really great songs in yeah. there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So your mother was a piano player? Yeah. Uh do you come from a musical family in general?
3: My mom is solely the the musical yeah. but my dad no my dad always likes to say that he played cello in high school. That's about <laughs> it. Um No, it's just my mom. How did so, this yeah.
2: how did it start for you?
3: Uh I started as a piano player at 7. I started taking Piano lessons, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd sort of, uh, I think I went to, like, grade four with theory, and my mom was doing grade 11 at the time, and I was just trying to learn, she played all with, like, wrong fingering, but I was sort of just picking <laughs> it up by ear, and I had to realize that I just wanted to play that way, and mm-hmm. I think theory is really important as a kid to get into, to, mm-hmm. as a discipline, and I played French horn, too, not well, the embouchure hurt my face, <laughs> but... um <laughs> Then I got into, uh, I think around the age of 12, I remember buying like, she got me my first guitar. It was like a Yamaha. It was like the Slayer color, red with a black picker. Oh, yeah. And this little (laughs) Matrix amp that had the most unique tone. It was like $99 practice amp. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing it home thinking, I can't, I brought it home thinking, I can't get that sound. Like, what is that? It was called yeah. distortion, by the way. And I was like, what is that <laughs> sound? How do I? And we had to call Bel Air Music at the time, you know, oh, Southwestern yeah, yeah. Ontario. Oh, oh yeah. Music. And I, he's like, yeah, you just crank the gain all the way and like put the volume to one or two. And that was, like, there's the sound. And it, it, it had this like crazy, weird, like horse with a dry cough kind of sound, like this yeah, weird yeah. distortion. I actually yeah. missed that imp in some way. But I just spent all the time after that. It was like, I spent all of my time in my room you know trying to learn like play everything on the tape player and mm -hmm. rewind it and play it back and there's this one nirvana song on the um no alternative soundtrack which is still Mm -hmm. an awesome album if you ever get a chance to hear it It this features everybody from buffalo tom smashing pumpkins and Mm. like i don't know how sarah mclaughlin got on that that (laughs) but but it's like this 90s compilation and uh nirvana has this weird song on there and it's got this really neat kind of strange guitar solo that you don't normally, normally it's just kind of noise solos with Nirvana, but I spent so much time just learning that solo. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of it. It was kind of it for me. Like after guitar, I just sort of, I I, kind of just felt like, you know, that idea of just spent all my time in my room. And I, I really think that, music for me kept me out of a lot of trouble yeah because we used to go to my like my grandmother's house in in cardiff and there was she's like oh those are some bad kids these kids were like it, it yeah. really wasn't that bad they were like spray painting the wall by the library like you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. kids do yeah, crazy stuff mild. now yeah. this is pre-internet so <laughs> so um and i just remember thinking like they're bored like they you know they don't, yeah. they, they, don't they do have something they don't have something to do and, and it's like if you're not into sports or if you're Mm -hmm. not like a mathlete or if you're not a musician or something it's like it's tough being a kid because it is there's so much angst you know you can't get out you're not allowed to do anything you can't you know so you have curfew so music for me was just this great way to sort of and i love being alone so it was sort of this great solitudinal thing that i think kept my mind not that i would have spray painted the library but i feel (laughs) like it, it really you know you, yeah. something would have had out. to happen something would have something had have had yeah exactly yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so did you start off then solo like is that did you sort of start playing gigs by yourself or was it right away
3: well i, I mean if we go way back it was all i was all into jam rock in high school yeah. and i was in like a sort of a hippie jam band mm-hmm. we were all into fish like i yeah. i, I <laughs> we took a limo to auburn hills to see fish when i was in grade 11 i went to see allman brothers i was just way into the you know mm-hmm. a, as i think we all were mm-hmm. yeah. like anything jam rock and grateful dead and stuff mm-hmm. but i didn't really i guess i didn't really start solo I, until I was twenty. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really got into. I was writing like riffs and like guitar and stuff, yeah. but I wasn't writing songs until I was probably about yet. twenty. Mm-hmm. And you started um, off
0: by yourself then. Like yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, I
3: started off then, and then I sort of. Yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. So was it long.
0: more folk based then?
3: Yeah, I think when I started at twenty, it was it was definitely like folk based. I was mm-hmm. I was into that, but I now I don't know what I. I just feel like songwriting is kind
2: of all over the map. I, yeah, I, I really love electronic
3: music and writing from like the drums up that's really what i'm into right now but
2: um yeah i find like at the show last night like, every time you would introduce a newer song it'd be way more rhythm based like right. maybe the m- more groovy rhythm section and everything right um there's definitely but that, there's a that lot switch on the album and you played too. a pretty long set
3: like, yeah it was i think it was like an hour and a half maybe yeah and and but there's a
2: lot of variety like a
3: I think th- this band is just—that's what's kind of happened over the years. It's like I know I can't necessarily take this band all the way into full-blown electronic. That's for something mm-hmm. else. But we can—we like to experiment grab and, with those textures. Uh, ex- experiment and, yeah. with the textures, and I think that's what makes music mm-hmm. interesting. Like, if you're going to do folk music, like, what are you going to do differently? Or if you're going to do blues, what are you going to do differently? Or, mm-hmm. And it, hopefully, you can. Because I, I always find like we're all a product of like several influences. There's no one who is like. I'm an influenceless yeah. <laughs> artist, I and mean, I just don't.
2: I don't believe. In I, that. Think well, we, I, re- I think we discussed that yeah, in the first. episode. I really think a truly influenceless artist would make music that was unlistenable. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, you I have like to that. be sitting in a context. So an self, actual alien that would you come down, Captain B part and, times instead of ten. You know, like <laughs> it's like that reverse
3: <laughs> analogy where it's like if you played a uh, Hendrix for an alien. You know, of course, the alien would love it. But what if the alien came down and played for you? It'd be like, oh, that's an
2: influenceless artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is that? The sound of the future.
3: You'd have
0: no frame of reference. It would sound terrible, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. just how everything works. Yeah, just... that's
2: my working theory. I haven't tested yeah.
0: it. Yet. Oh no, it's, it's. I think it's completely true of anything. I think yeah. it's true of, of movie of any everything culture. Has to sit into yeah, context, it has yeah. to sit within a context because you can't just give somebody something brand new. It'll blow their mind. Like it can't.
3: I also yeah exactly. I also find that whenever you've done this, we've all like, you have to you have to go through. For instance, with lyrics, writing Mm cliches, you have to do it because you have to, to, and you have to think. You have to know
2: how to, how to use them to, to know not, to know not to to use them. them.
3: And you just keep writing and eventually you find yourself never using them anymore, Mm -hmm, but you used a whole ton of them. And and we've all done things that are unlistenable, at (laughs) least to us. I mean, our mom (laughs) might like it still, but it's unlistenable to us. And then we've also done the thing where we've tried to, whether you're trying to emulate someone's voice or emulate someone's guitar playing or or piano playing. It's like, we've all done that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's important to go through all that because the, part the, the, the harder you work process. at this, yeah. You're like wood chipping or like soap carving or something. Mm. It's like you you end up arriving at yourself, but mm. it takes yeah. a long fucking time. It's like this yeah. big circuit <laughs> ten years. Like... I think it takes about ten years to arrive at yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how
2: and, and and how old are you now? Uh, dare I say. I just turned thirty-four last week. Okay. Well, yeah. Kim turned thirty five yesterday, so okay. don't worry about <laughs> it. Okay, great, great, I'm not worried. <laughs> I mean twenty nine. <laughs> twenty nine. <laughs> I feel I feel twenty-eight still. Yeah. yeah. Um so you have been doing it for for. Yeah, years.
3: yeah, actually, about fourteen years in terms of the songwriting, and and I definitely like. I mean, I, I I've, I've listened to things. I think in the last few years that I did when I was twenty two, and I'm just like, wow, that's, whoa. that's mm. t- totally. Weird. I like I like to believe that music was also at a downtime as well. Like the accessibility, we had the, sort of a dead point after the nineties, and yeah, there was there was a period yeah, of like
2: th- instant, like nobody really knew what was happening. No one yeah. knew what was happening for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: before the internet had really allowed. Every pe- everybody who wants to make an album now can make an album. Right? Yeah, but that wasn't really the case. Yeah, at that point, totally. Yeah,
2: I've heard that. Uh, some somebody said that Kurt Cobain's death was a big part of that. He was like shook the industry, theory, and people were just like, "What what what's music going to be like now?"
3: I have this theory actually <laughs> that I I refer to. Uh, I, and I liked. I, I think this phrase could catch on. and This might be a good place to start. But I call things. <laughs> some things are called. We call them. Post Nirvana. And what I mean by that is the 90s has this sort of like nostalgia, like golden, like there's all these incredible mm-hmm. bands like Cody, Red House and Painters and, are yeah. like probably my favorite yeah, band comes Yeah. yeah. Like Slow Court, American Music Club, the list uh-huh. goes on. Uh, Idaho, uh, like the Caroline label that put out Gish, the first Pumpkin's yeah, album, yeah, yeah, yeah. put out all the Idaho records. And like, I love all that 90s stuff. And you look at the oh. dates and it's like, 91, 92, 93, 94. Red House Painters kept it, I think, still yeah, going. Because yeah. they just remained underground. Right. But I refer to post-Nirvana, like, just to, and not, I think she's very talented. But Alanis Morissette is post-Nirvana. Because if you <laughs> listen to, if you listen to, like, you know, One Hand in My Pocket, it's I sort of like. It now. Right? It's like, that it. wouldn't have existed maybe before, like, yeah, yeah. pre-Nirvana. Right. Like, well, especially, especially it didn't with her
0: a... specifically, because she started out as this sort of pop starlet, right? You yeah. Know, this, like, yeah. dance music almost. And then she sort of went into that after-Nirvana
3: nirvana and i feel like post nirvana mm-hmm. is a thing like goo goo dolls post nirvana yeah because oh, totally. yeah. these are 90s it bands it becomes this like matchbox 20 post nirvana yep. oh, because these are all bands that kind of fall after 95 mm-hmm. that have this like i think it's almost like from a major the major labels labels are still throwing money so
2: they, they were At able they were trying oh, to make they were throwing the last of the money. last yeah. of their money <laughs> and, and creating
3: this pop that was like we're gonna grab that Underground '90s sound yeah. and de-edge yeah. it a bit.
2: That's also when the labels made pop punk happen too. Yeah, that, that's and true. see, but that's the ba- that's the reaction to it, right? Reaction mm-hmm. to post Nirvana.
3: Yeah, I thought. I, I don't know. I think we could. Is it because
2: they're trying to bring back the edge?
0: After Was it because even it in Canada, right? You had Our Lady Peace, Matthew Goodband. Like these are sort of the same thing, yeah. like post Nirvana. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I like yeah. it. Yeah. I
3: think I think it's a, even a great band name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you'd have to be ironic though. You can't be playing. Matchbox Twenty covers?
2: No. <laughs> well, nobody can be playing Matchbox. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Didn't
3: Rob Thomas play at the Windsor Casino or something? I don't I know. Probably. What, yeah. <laughs> what Some you guys didn't same. go? I mean, I didn't go either. I didn't go either. I didn't go either. <laughs>
2: See, casino. <laughs> casinos have that record label money. They're the only place that are paying these people just yeah, to maintain exactly. their career. That's yeah. right. That's exactly it. Yeah. So okay, so now Ravens in the band. Yep. Um, when did that happen?
3: Uh, just this past winter, it was actually, we were going on tour with Elliot Brood and uh, Amanda and Wes at the time couldn't do another winter tour. It was like work was getting in the way and jobs and it was, it's, it's hard, sometimes hard to justify you're the opening band. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just thought, we, well, we have to do the show because like they're great guys and they and, like got to keep the momentum. Yeah. Keep yeah. the momentum. And we just, well, we just put an album out. It wasn't like, you know, if we got offered this same kind of tour next winter, it'd probably be easier to... Mm-hmm. No, or not as easy to justify it because we don't have an album out or something. But mm-hmm. we had to. It was our first time going out west on this record, so okay. Mm-hmm. Be, so I I contacted Raven because the studio I recorded. We did the album at uh, Revolution. They they knew that I was kind of looking for the right. It's sort of sort of like a director. I felt like I I need a certain voice. It can't just because people were giving me yeah. names, but I couldn't find the exact. It had to be this kind of alto
2: kind of mm-hmm. smoky
3: sound or something yeah you
2: because you know the parts you knew where you wanted i knew, I knew the to parts yeah. yeah and i yeah. and you just know when you hear someone's voice and i just i
3: heard her voice online at Bandcamp or something and i was Cause like, she has her own. Acts. yeah she has her own music and mm-hmm. i i just heard her voice i was like this is this <laughs> is the sound this is perfect sound and then uh, she was totally game to do it and that was it we just had like a few rehearsals together and then got the the band together and then we had it yeah it was actually our best winter tour and we've yeah. we've toured the last three years across canada for whatever reason in the winter yeah so, <laughs> like, so but this is the no competition one. i guess yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah that's true there's yeah. people are yeah. still like i can't believe you're here yeah you know, like how did you get here exactly yeah, yeah. and i i ask myself the same question across the wasteland <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it seems, it seems maybe like a surfacey question but uh wilderness of manitoba what's uh what's behind the name
2: no one's ever asked me that before.
0: No? <laughs> and everyone yeah, always got... Yeah, re- yeah, no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's
3: always the question. Did you get...
2: I, last night, did you get a lot of... Oh, he came all the way from Manitoba? From, no, from I didn't. We, we've had that before. I was before. thinking that was going to yeah. happen.
3: But it's actually... It was named after an art project because at the time, there's a, a friend of the band years ago. She was doing her master's in uh, curatorial studies and okay. she was trying to bring... Uh, this uh, Gonick, he's a filmmaker and installation artist from Winnipeg, and he has this thing called Wildflowers of Manitoba, where the, you, you lie in this geodesic dome, and his like mm-hmm. in, in, his film I- images are all like projected in the, on these different uh, hexagonal mm-hmm. sort of areas. It's, it's sort of a, this elaborate uh, sculpture, and he he took it to like the Berlinale and stuff, but she was trying to bring it to Nui Blanche, and they needed people to lie in this judy dome and it was sort of pitched to me at the time like, Hey, like you get an honorarium if she brings it, if she, if she brings it here, would you be willing to lie in this dome? And you, you could like even just be like, eating cereal in your boxers like you could the whole idea is that you're going about your day while these images while are being projected are around you yeah and i thought that's a really great way to live like someone's just gonna pay to and then and then but he misheard the name scott at the time and he said it's called the wilderness in manitoba i said that's a great band name too and we were making these sort of yeah, and were just like it's it? kind of yeah. folk recordings and i thought yeah. that's a great name for uh, he's like you're right that is a great name so we just started naming we started trading songs and then we were just naming everything that mm-hmm. and it just stuck and it was sort of like Everyone's like, what's the connection? And I was, I was like, well, I said my dad's family grew up in Winnipeg, but there's, that has nothing to do with yeah. the story. Yeah. But it got to the point where it's such a long-winded story to tell. Like, like that's, you know, you just want like to use something to card, right? And so <laughs> <Gets old. laughs> West got so – it was funny. Wes used to play bass. People – so you're from Manitoba? And he'd go, yeah – <laughs> and that's it that's the and they don't ask <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> quickest possible right because he was he was just he didn't want you know <laughs> and I, I understand because you know I, for stuff like this I totally don't mind like mm-hmm. telling because it's you know we're, we're doing it's a different format it. it's a different yeah, exactly, format yeah. but like yeah. when people come after like, the fifth person that night it has happened yeah. so. but no it, it actually didn't <laughs> happen last night which is really nice which and, is good and, go. it's really nice when it doesn't happen at the show because I don't I just think names aren't important I always yeah. bring I up,
2: honestly like, think Red Hot Chili
3: Peppers might be the worst band name ever but you don't think You don't think about how bad the band name is, you know. Like them, like them or dislike them, it's a successful entity. Yeah,
2: exactly. I was having this conversation with uh, a couple of friends of mine and um, and my girlfriend at the time, and I mentioned the Planet Smashers. Mm -hmm. I remember that, and she goes like, "Oh, I I love that name. It's so vivid." And I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> oh planet smash i get yeah. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Just, it's, just it's just what good. that band is called yeah yeah it's exactly. like that's all it is smashing pumpkins yeah, yeah exactly
0: you don't like i don't think of don't actual think... smashing no. pumpkins. no, no. Yeah. but i mean she
2: was a painter and everything so she naturally goes there for but, sure yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah no it's funny i really think names can be anything yeah Like totally I, when bands obsess over choosing a name i'm like just pick something just pick something yeah <laughs> it doesn't it's, matter that much it's as, funny, as, funny, though, as long
0: as it's easy to say and, yeah. Easy, yeah. To and remember. easy to spell yeah. and so there's
2: not too much google competition yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's,
3: th- these days it is yeah. that's the thing yeah, that's but true. I, I always felt like the, the just the phrase like wilderness of manitoba it sounded like a short story and uh-huh. I, I feel like songs are like short stories yeah. I, I feel like you're kind of that sort of at least definitely when you're writing folk music there's sort of a an it, the storytelling and thing. uh i i always kind of felt like that that's what i like about it it has that and at the time i'd found this um <clears throat> this sketch drawing from uh a sketch artist from California she'd drawn this um woman sort of hugging a caribou apparition and Mm -hmm. and that just became it was sort of like oh that's the I don't know that's the brand it was kind of like every you know when things just happen associative thinking wise yeah I just latched onto that image and I realized like I don't know you it's almost like I I I know I agree with what you're saying like the name doesn't matter but it's also nice to have this thing that you're sort of like you have a, a little bit of an idea of what you're reaching toward, but it's mm. not too concrete. It's mm-hmm. like, right. so to me it was like this vague kind of yearning loneliness, which is kind of what the songs and alienation, all the yeah. themes yeah. were about. Yeah. And this woman kind of like sadly hugging this caribou apparition was like, I just thought was that just was like, yeah, it. it was just, it just fit. And it was sort of like, Oh, okay, I can't know. I know what we're doing now, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's hard. It's sometimes hard to know what you're doing with music. I yeah, think yeah, so exactly. much
2: time is spent questioning what you're doing mm-hmm. and if it's, yeah. So how do you do that? Like when you, when it comes to, um, your lyrical approach. What kind of? How do, how do you get your subjects?
3: Um, I don't know. Some of them, it's it's like hard to really. I don't know. Uh, I mean, some of question. you know. Well, yeah, it, it should be. <laughs> but it's like I think the I I always try to listen to what the, I think music speaks without like you, you know plenty. I listen to plenty of like for instance, just completely instrumental yeah. and electronic stuff, and I think it's mm-hmm. it's evoking something. Mm-hmm. So you have to listen to like what what the music's evoking, and then. Beyond that, they always, I mean, I've never written another language, but they say that like English is a great ocean of language. That's why a lot of Mm -hmm. people that that, uh, English is their second or third language, Mm -hmm. but they choose to write in it. Mm -hmm. It's also maybe the most pop formatted, uh, accessible, most marketable marketable as well, but beside the point. But um, I think then you start to just kind of like make sounds, the vowel sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you, then that's at least how I, I operate. It's like, you, then you find those vowel sounds and avoid the cliches yeah. right. and find the a story. But come. it always yeah. ends up like you realize, oh, it's, you know, and you, you get to that point with writing where you just feel like the song is writing itself because yeah. it's in the music. It's all there and it's, yeah. it's there for you, but you you have, it's almost like writing an essay, right? You have to sit down in a room and be alone and mm-hmm. stuff and, and you have to listen to what it's saying and you have to focus and get it done. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the easiest way I think I can answer that question. Yeah. Uh, that's sort that's of the, the Tom York approach. Yeah. What, yeah oh, and he doesn't even care. If he's like cut the kids in half. Like that. Doesn't yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he, he, he likes does. how it feels. And yeah. And yeah. He, I mean, I definitely. I actually, I really like the freedom of electronic music for that because I feel like there's a lot more mantra approach and all that i've spent so much mm. time laboring over lyrics to make sure like oh what <laughs> if someone asks this i'll have a really you good to, no one asks me any mean. questions yeah. about yeah. any of the lyrics and i've spent so much time writing them because i think it's really neat to like even have a song let's say where the vocal is like buried in reverb and stuff but it's sort of, the vocal is almost like a vibe it's more like another mm. instrument right but if anyone chose to look at the liner notes it was mm-hmm. actually saying something I think that's that's, great. that's yeah, If you can that. achieve yeah. that you know it's it's really nice. It's yeah, like yeah,
0: instead it shows you get people asking what your where your band name came yeah, from right right Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah
2: exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, I don't funny. care about the words yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah have you noticed like themes um evolving like from the beginning from the first album now to the fourth uh yeah like, does the subject matter really go different places
3: I think so uh it's strange what what? what's an example i of find something? i always
2: write in a trend like yeah. i'll write like 15 songs about the same thing yeah. and then i'll switch suddenly to something else i
3: i find that it's it's weird for me sometimes i don't know why i like i maybe i saw something in a film that significant to me like I, I remember i saw away from her it's a sarah, sarah mm-hmm. Pauli film about this living with alzheimer's and yeah. dealing with that and i just like i i've never experienced that but uh Year or two later I, I, there's this song called disappearing on between colors and sort of this imag- imagining what that would be like living with someone who's Either you're the one whose memory is disappearing or you're with someone else and I think it was sort of a, an effective theme but I, I, it's strange for me to Put so much time into writing something like that when I it's not really a it's not empirical or anecdotal right. It was, mm-hmm. It was kind of a fifth business like a you know third party um, mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff happens to me. But a lot. That's in
2: the folk tradition, right? Yeah, that's, that's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: yeah. yeah. Can you, you imagine if all everything pissed. Bob Dylan saying happened to him? That's the craziest <laughs> life. Oh, he <laughs> would, he would, would claim that it did. Oh, he would, well, yeah, he 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 would right. completely. <laughs> he would completely claim that it did. Well, it happened to Bob Dylan. It didn't happen to Robert Zimmerman. Yeah, it happened that's, to Bob Dylan. that's right. That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You got the separation there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's a
3: character. I mean, that's and that's. I think there's there's an element of that. I think definitely to any performance, there's an element of character, and then there's an I have persona
2: kind of thing. But I, I
3: respond the most to, I think like vulnerability, like Joni Mitchell. I, I think vulnerability is my favorite. And I, I'm, I, I'm certainly nowhere near that level of like that capability, but I really mm-hmm. respect people that are also another person that comes to mind. who's not afraid to kind of go for it. Blood orange. He's kind of got this Prince oh, thing going no. on. Yeah, yeah Well, yeah. and I, I just, I really, I just think that's so great when someone's so uh, like, they know this exact thing that they want to do and they, mm-hmm. they, they capitalize on it so well because it's like, they're not afraid to just be vulnerable and go mm-hmm. for it. Even if it's like some of it's cheesy, but it's like, yeah, but you're throwing back to like throw back to like early nineties. R yeah, like, yeah. 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 Listen to TLC. Sure. Don't go chasing waterfalls. It's a brilliant song, you know, yeah. like, like as, a, as a song, you know, like take left eyes rap out of it. I'm sorry, but yeah. But, you know, but like you, some of that stuff, it's like, yeah, you, you could say it's dated, but there's still like, I, mm-hmm. I think it's so great when people reference.
0: I think it's Billy Corgan is it Billy Corgan that said um, that he doesn't write a lyric unless it completely embarrasses him. That's funny. Like a, he, He's uh, yeah. a like good ha- example, actually. Yeah, like us. it has it has I've, to be something that totally humiliates him; otherwise, he won't put it down
3: on paper. Oh man, I, I, I huh. Siamese Dream. That's just like he would hate mm-hmm. to hear that we're talking about Siamese Dream, right now, but it is a masterpiece. Yeah, and everything else is good you do too, man. But, you know, <laughs> I love that album. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great. That's that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I, I really like it. That always too. stuck with me when
0: I when I heard that. It's like, oh, yeah. like, so maybe it's okay that it's like not necessarily that it's cliche, but. You know, I think a lot of us, as songwriters, we tend to try and shy away from that a little bit. Like, yeah, oh, we want to kind of deflect that really heavy vulnerability and just make it sound nice. And yeah, and, you know, for him, it was just like, no, it's gotta humiliate me. I have yeah, to yeah. be, I have to feel uncomfortable singing these lyrics. Well, what I
2: what I got a lot last night, that felt good, because it's what I, I I strive for: genuinity and honesty. And that's that's because that's what I'm attracted to. Yeah. Um, and I got a lot because it's Harrow. You know, people know my family and everything. And I mentioned <laughs> my sister who passed away in some of the songs. And I talk about my brother and I'm just extremely autobiographical. And, and yeah.
4: mm-hmm. I
2: just, you know, I'm trying to be as honest as I can. And people really responded to that last night. People came mm-hmm. to me after the gig and they're yeah. just like, like, I can't believe how you just put all that out there. And like, you're not afraid to just yeah put it out there. And I think that's what good, you know, songwriting, like that's a key element for me in yeah. songwriting.
3: I'm definitely, I have, it's funny because I have, I sort of have that, I'm on like not on the fence, but I ride the fence a bit. Like when my mom passed away, it was sort of like it definitely in in, inflicted itself upon all of my songwriting Mm -hmm. in this way in this weird kind of like family muse kind of way. Like it was always on my mind and I had this weird, like even in the instrumentals, it was sort of this idea and, and and that's a very common theme I think for people when when dealing with death too. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a very important thing to unfortunately go through. Yeah. Um, And it's going to impact you for sure in that way. And you can't help but be, you're going to find autobiographical. Yeah. A lot of yeah. autobiography in there. And often he's
2: so, unintentional. I mean, yeah. Exactly. You write a song yeah, exactly. that's not yeah. about you. But that's the and, writing process, right? And then you process, go back right? a week later and you're like, this is... Uh, this is yeah. This. <laughs> is that about that? Yeah, it's you're about that. Like, oh. like, even my
3: girlfriend's asking me, like, is that about your mom? And I'm, yeah. I am I'm, want to say, I don't know, but yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like that, that'll happen. And it's it, you didn't even intend it to happen. Exactly. exactly. It's, like, it's like dreams. It's, it's, you have these dreams sometimes and you think, who was that? Like, how did I... In- did I come up with that? I'm pretty yeah. sure I didn't, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's very sure, bizarre. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I
2: had, to, I was living this with this woman and, and we were breaking up and I was just kind of like, I was writing a lot during the couple of months between like actually leaving the apartment, um, as a way, you know, as a way of therapy and as a way to just like distract myself too. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a song about homelessness. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about the subject of the hidden homeless who like don't get counted in homeless numbers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote it and, you know, three verses, it's a pretty long song. It's like, there's a lot of lyrics. And, uh, like a week later I go back and I'm like, this homelessness thing's all a metaphor for my breakup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about the homeless at all. Yeah.
3: Do, well, you know, it's great too. like, isn't songwriting sort of a, also like a th- therapeutic kind yeah. of thing. It's like, it's a way to sort of purge your, mm-hmm. uh, you know. All yeah. of your solitudinal thoughts, without necessarily, you know, word, burgeoning, solitude, yeah. <laughs> burgeoning your your partners with all the all the well, strife yeah. and the you know angst and mm-hmm. that's, I think angst is fucking great. Like angst yeah. is such an awesome.
2: Like <laughs> I think that's I love, one I, of the foundational ingredients. I, of yeah. music is like is this therapeutic aspect of it that's what it's for yeah like. yeah
3: and there would be no emo without angst you know, right? <laughs> that's true. That's we'd true. be screwed <laughs> but no I, I, we, we were so actually angst is good and bad i want to yeah. actually i want to <laughs> reference a character briefly from because we're oh, this is i love this it's this about everything and this is mm-hmm. a film for you so we love reality bites it's i, I think in a lot of ways that film it's great because it's sort of like commenting on capitalist america and western mm-hmm. society but the character that Ethan Hawke plays, Troy, has, like, all these amazing lines in it. He's – because he's the most angstiest dude. Yeah. Right? He's this guy that's, like, <laughs> fuck the – you know, fuck the man. I'm not going to work on the line and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not going to get cancer and, like, just in some factory, like, I'm going to do my art and all that. And it's just so, like – that's such a – that's such a, you know, white, angry male Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny to kind of Definitely make fun of that. Definitely a privileged position. It, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. he has all these great lines where they're, like, hey, like – I don't – like – Janine Garofalo, her character, like just got a new job, like manager at the Gap, and like Troy, isn't that great? And he's just like, I'm bursting with fruit flavor. <laughs> and he does, and he has the, and then like, and then like, he answers the phone, like Ben Stiller's calling to like uh, pick up one of yeah. the writer, like or like, get her on the phone, and then Troy just Ethan like, ox just answers, hello, you've reached the winter of our discontent. He's like, he's got all these, like, and then and wow. then the last sign I want to I want like to I want to sort of paraphrase is when Ben Stiller's like, do it like I I don't get it with you like do I need like the secret handshake? What is it? And he's like, no, there's no secret handshake. There's an, uh, what is it? There's no secret handshake. There's an IQ requirement, but there's yeah. no secret handshake. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the most jaded philosophical, like he's, you know, he's actually very yeah. smart, but I love that. Mm-hmm. Like that angst character, you know, it's, I don't know why I went into that, but well, I mean, because and, no, and, and, that's
0: one of the things yeah, <laughs> that drives, yeah, yeah. you know, well, and, and we Tara, Tara yeah. yesterday, like two weeks ago, I guess if we're, we're staying in podcast timeline, um, uh, she, they know this isn't a live show. Yeah. No, no. yeah. Uh, but Tara, Tara mentioned that like she said straight up like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for songwriting. It wasn't for music. Like right. she she you know just the ability to sit down with her guitar and write through her issues. It's like yeah. a therapy session basically and she yeah. said straight up like I wouldn't be here yeah. if it not yeah. for that. Do you do you feel that like sometimes that's it's at that level or is it sort of more abstracted?
3: Uh no I think it's at that level. It's 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 funny it's hard to it's hard to say that. Like uh, but I definitely know that like I I don't really I do like, I love running, I love other things, but mm-hmm. music's always just like, I'm gonna do it anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter yeah. what, you know, a lot, a lot happy, of people it will sad, never stop being, it'll another. never stop being essential. And it's like, we've all been in bands with people who have a timeline, a deadline of like, when mm-hmm. is this going to happen and this is going to equal that and they yeah. have sort of mm-hmm. it's it's a very hard thing to try to create a linear path out of yeah. and if you just choose to do it long term like you're doing it already yeah so yeah, yeah. that's kind of that's you have to kind of live under it you, you choose to do it or you don't it's not like 5 years and then I'm going to if not I'm going to completely quit it's like it, it's yeah. never been a good job as yeah. a well. and i i don't <laughs> think I don't, I don't think any musician uh well there no there are great no, musicians are who have quit who do, who which do is that. And, um, yeah. yeah Katherine yeah. Edwards. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, but but it, but she'll,
0: she'll come back. <laughs> she'll, yeah, come yeah, back. She'll, she'll come back. She's not like <laughs> I'm thinking of
2: these people who do it because they're trying yeah. to succeed. Yeah, yeah. And then when they stop when they don't, they're like, Okay, now I'm not doing mm-hmm. it anymore. No, I'm yeah. like, I got it. Well, go why job. were you doing it? Yeah. Like kind of it I just can't relate to it because I know I that I just I grew up needing to do it. Same, I think that happens yeah. with a
0: lot of session musicians or pe- maybe like you know bassists who aren't necessarily songwriters or creators, right. but they're they're becoming sort of a piece of someone else's work. That mm-hmm. that can happen with them a lot. That at right. some point they just decide, okay, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, now. well, that's
2: di- that's different because yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the creative yeah, yeah. act of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so when you so you write all the songs?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot of collaborating on this last album with Amanda. Okay. Um, she wrote like co- she co- wrote? yeah, she co- wrote a lot of the album with me, but it's it's always been me sort. Of doing most of the writing and I'm I'm and then how
2: does the arrangements happen you
3: bring it um yeah I sort of Do you know what they are when you come often I do but but it's I like that part to be collaborative Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. because it's like you want everyone to sort of give their I mean this last album we had three different drummers and it was sort of like it was interesting to kind of try different things we had a lot of like Opportunity in the studio to try new things and it's the album's pretty studio for me I mean, I I I tend to listen to things that are less less Mm hi-fi But (laughs) I think the next thing we do will probably be something closer to that a little more live feeling Yeah, a little more live feeling and I I just feel like even even now I mean we did one live EP a few years ago but I just feel like we haven't really captured the live sound of this band yet Mm -hmm. and um yeah no, with Raven I, I like I imagine we'll probably do a lot of the writing as well on the next album yeah. and so it's always been me but I have always at least had one person I'm
2: collaborating yeah. with to, to work with it yeah yeah that's cool and then as on the subject of like succeeding in music how did this Juno nomination happen yeah oh that was
3: I, I don't actually don't know we <laughs> that album came out in that was Island of Echoes that was yeah. nominated at mm-hmm. the end of uh it came out in October two thousand twelve. So it actually had this rollover mm-hmm. qualifying ability oh, okay. for, for, t- yeah, for for yeah, for our two thousand two thousand fourteen was when we went oh, to uh because mm-hmm. yeah, this year was Hamilton, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 so we went to Winnipeg for it So it had this like rollover qualification for the following year or something. And we found, we were on tour at the time. We were in like Fernie, B C <laughs> and uh yeah, I think Amanda was like snowboarding at the time and she found it on the chairlift. <laughs> it's just <laughs> kind of funny. That, oh, you got nominated yeah. for a Juno. So it's really nice to kind of get that, but it's sort of like, you know, it's it's a nod. And mm-hmm. I, Yeah, totally. I, I was, it was funny. I was talking to the... A lot uh, of confidence. I was talking to some people about about the Junos and, and it was an interesting kind of thought that you're sitting in this big room of people where everyone works so hard to be there and there's managers mm-hmm. and there's agents and all that. But mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an interesting environment because like if you're... If you win or, or whatever, and, and, and there's this, this one small percentage of the room who's really glad, you know, the label and is happy in the agent and the manager, yeah. but everyone else, everyone else is else like, is bummed. yeah, yeah. And, and, or, 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 or like, what the hell is this? this isn't my category. And so it's yeah. sort of like, it's an industry thing, but it's yeah. not really, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's so celebratory, but it's also like, it's got this weird other side to it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, uh, no, but it's, it's great. It's, you know, good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's a good feeling. Gotta be.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, what did we miss? Did we miss anything? Is there anything yeah. you want to cover?
3: I I, I I don't think so. I think Reality Bites is
2: my main. <laughs> that's what you want. We were building up to Some that. Quotes. Whole time. Yeah. You
3: wanted the Ethan Hawk content. Definitely, beat. definitely. We had to fit him <laughs> in, in there. We got to hashtag him on this. Yeah.
2: Uh, yep, for playing a tune? I shall. Uh,
3: <laughs> I guess this is, a, I put out a solo record a few years ago called uh, Lake Forest, and that was the name of the project. And the album is called Silver Skies. Uh, This is a song from that. It's called Escape the Moon. And actually, this was sort of inspired by uh, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there's that that, that part in the where he thinks about, I'll never eat a cheeseburger again. And I'll, you know, he's going, he's drifting so far away and he's sort of losing this, uh, he's kind of yearning for the earth again. And I I had this idea of like um, just the moon and its influence on, uh, you know, us being 75% water and how the moon controls the tides. So I took that and I kind of thought, if you gave Prince an acoustic guitar, what would it sound like? So I was trying to—that's that's <laughs> what I was trying to do with this song. That's a, that thats the collaboration of things. Okay, uh, here goes. <laughs>
0: Was our conversation with Will Whitwam from the Wilderness of Manitoba, a Toronto based band that you should definitely check out if you get the chance for tour dates and for more info on the music. You can go to thewildernessofmanitoba.com and check them out. In two weeks, we have Sarah Jane Scouton on the program. Sarah Jane Scouten, who uh, is a, a troubadour of sorts, She uh, grew up in, in British Columbia in an island off the coast of Vancouver. Uh, she's lived in, in Montreal, she currently lives in Toronto. She's, uh, she's been all over North America. Uh, She's been nominated for multiple Canadian Folk Music Awards. She's an excellent songwriter. She's heavily steeped in the tradition of folk music. And uh, we're very excited to have her on in a couple weeks. If you'd like to contact us, to recommend a guest, to critique us, whatever you'd like, for any any reason you want to contact us, you can at uh, iqmjpod at gmail.com. You can go to our website, iqmjpod.com, to listen to the podcast, listen to old episodes, and find out tour dates for Derek and I. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com iqmjpod, and on SoundCloud, if that's how you want to get this podcast into your ears, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash iquitmyjob, with dashes between all those words. And, of course, on iTunes, you can subscribe. Subscribe, that's how you say that word. If you'd like to rate or review us, you can do that there, too. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you give us a positive review there, that helps us circulate the podcast to a wider audience. And that would be wonderful. So Sarah Jane Scout in two weeks, and we'll see you then. I
1: quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.